So let's move into, I mean, we talked about different types of business strategy, but how about some strategic tools that, that we can use to implement those strategies or plan those strategies out, right? right? The first being something we talked about last week would be a SWOT analysis. Yeah. So like I said, last episode, it's been around the longest. It's Mm -hmm. fairly simple and straightforward. You take a, take a box and cut it into four smaller boxes within the box and up top left corner is strengths, top right corner is weaknesses, bottom left is opportunities, and bottom right is threats. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to go through a brainstorming exercise. And outside that box, you're going to write down your assumptions so that you keep record of that. And you're going to go forward as you're executing on your business, either proving or disproving those assumptions. And in doing so, you reduce risk in your business. But you're going to do some internal work in terms of what are our strengths. You've got to be honest with it. Mm-hmm. If you're not honest with it, then you're going to get in a world of hurt down the road, right? Same thing for us human beings, as well as our weaknesses. And weaknesses aren't necessarily a bad thing. Hello, and welcome to the Generate Your Value podcast. I'm your co-host, Andy McDowell, founder and owner of Generate Your Value, providing life, leadership, and small business coaching services in the Atlanta area. And I'm Zach Levy, your other co-host. I run a nationwide financial service business with my wife, Megan. Together, Zach and I have the intention to bring you tips, concepts, ideas, suggestions, stories, and analogies from A to Z, which will help you to grow your personal brand and small business in such a way that joy, happiness, and success as you define it for yourself are achieved. We hope to use our gifts, talents, and experiences in business to generate value in your life. And with that being said, let's move to our topic for today. Andy, good morning. Good morning. As always, it is great to see you, sir. Ready to generate some value, of course. Absolutely. That's why we're here. And for our listening audience, our topic for today is part two of business strategies. How can we better strategize our businesses? Absolutely. So we went through the sort of the fundamentals of strategy in part one, talking about why it's important, what is business strategy, what's the difference between a business plan and a business strategy. And we may touch on a few of those things as we go through today, but our main focus today is talk through some examples of what may be major themes in the business strategy. Some of these may be more short-term strategies, like a year or two, as opposed to a long-term five or 10-year strategy. And then we're going to talk a little bit about tools. In our conversation about tools, we're not going to go into any depth on any one single tool other than maybe SWAT. So if you have an interest in any of these tools, we encourage you to go hit Google or buy some books on the topic or something of that nature where you may find some more detail in the various tools and see if it's a good fit for what you're trying to accomplish in your business. So that being said, Zach, let's start in on some strategy examples. Number one being cross-selling more products. So what do we mean by cross-selling? I mean, I think that's a that's a given. If your company offers more than one line of product, you want customers to 
spend more money, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, generate more revenue by purchasing other lines of products. So I know a lot of companies are great at this with especially digital marketing. Now, if they have a customer that buys X product and there's a number of other customers that bought X product that also bought Z product, all of a sudden there's a targeted ad for Z product to the customer that bought X product. Right. Right. I'd say complimentary. Right. So there's a a number of undertones with this strategy, right? Right. One, there's customer retention. Oh, that's a huge one. I mean, right. in, in my you want business. to create a relationship with a customer, and there's a lot of cost that goes into first acquiring a new customer. Right. And if you can cross-sell them and, and sell them on other products or services that you offer, the cost of that sale mm-hmm. is a lot less than the initial of trying to get them on board. Right. So there's that item. Second item is, is sort of brand management, quality right. product. Trust and experience with the customer retains them, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then you have an opportunity for a cross sale. Well, and I can't really go into specifics, but with my business is you look. You mentioned customer retention. The metrics actually show in my business that if I have a customer that has at least two product lines, mm-hmm. right, that is a client of two areas of my business, that it is a seventy-five percent better retention rate. Okay. Right. So that may that is huge. I mean, and typically when you have a customer that you've cross sold to, they have bought into you, they bought into your brand, like you said. Right. Right. And so, you know, it's not just about the product necessarily at that point, but more about the culture, the brand, and they identify with it a lot of times. Right. In my my particular line of business within Boeing, we in the last few years really started focusing on this piece because our business tend to be very project-based. So we were constantly chasing projects, trying to keep our revenues at a certain level or higher. And so we had to figure out ways that we could cross-sell and almost embed ourselves within a customer's organization mm-hmm. in order to not only get sales growth, but maintain it at that level. Um, right. So this is a strategy I'm very much familiar with, having been in it in my previous business life, so to speak. Well, and... This kind of moves into our next point. I mean, I, I love that kind of segue is especially in the technology part of what you were doing, mm-hmm. right? In order to have cross-selling, there had to be more technology innovation, right? There mm-hmm. had to be, hey, well, we, you, we have this new system, right, that is now compatible with this new system. So you need both. So more innovation can lead to actually more cross-selling as well, right? Right. Well, I- I really tried to focus my team on the sales perspective to really get involved and embedded and acquire a customer when they're in their strategy development phase. Because we had two, two, two main products. One was a simulation modeling tool. It was a big what-if tool that we could help a customer as they're developing their strategy. Use that what-if tool to figure out the best configurations, whether on the ground or in the air, with their airspace to get the best results that they were looking for. And then if we did a bang up job with that, when it came time to actually do the hardcore design work and embed it within their airspace, that was a natural cross sell that we could do having had a, a great experience with the modeling and simulation exercise. If you came in and did the airspace design construction piece first, it was very difficult to then go back 
since they're, they're already past that strategic planning right. phase of what they wanted to accomplish. So we had a lot of conversations around that, looking for customers that were starting their strategic planning. Right. And that's a huge note, I think, for our listening audience is the order in which this happens really depends upon what industry they're in. Because some some industries, I mean, you can innovate on the back end because it's a, you know, it's not a super complicated process. There's not a lot of nooks and crannies, if you will, in the process, mm-hmm. right? Whereas where you were, those are highly integrated systems, right? Once right. they're once they're in, they're kind of in, unless there's a major overhaul, right? Right. So, well, when you have fifty years of the technology that prior to GPS that airplanes were using, it was pretty stagnant. You know, a lot of the problems had been fixed, you know, to the level that that technology could right. take it. And so we hit the business in a really good time with GPS coming on board. It mm-hmm. was just opened up a whole tool chest, if you will, of things you could do to really start making more leapfrogs in the in flight operations for airplanes. So it was a good time to be in that business. Which I can imagine in your role, though, on a side note that, you know, with airlines being the big giants that they are, they resist change pretty well. <laughs> They don't welcome it necessarily. Well, airline business is very complex, right? So you have thousands of airplanes that you're trying to do a 24-hour schedule around. Mm -hmm. And your revenue projections are all based off of that schedule executing every day. Right. Which it doesn't because of weather and other issues and disruptions. So to sort of untwist that, if you will, I mean, when, when airline wants to bring in new routes, Without adding airplanes, then something has to go away. And where do you take it away? <clears throat> take the airplane that was serving that market into another market. Right. So nothing moves fast in aviation, period. Except the airplane. Well, except for the airplane. But <laughs> but At the, least the planning, yeah. the infrastructure, everything goes around and makes sure that that airplane operates in a safe environment, moves very slowly. Right. So there's, there's plenty of time to deal with it, but at the same time, you can't. If you run into a financial bind, you can't twist or change very quickly. Right. And on innovation, I mean, this this ties straight back into our talk about abundance and scarcity and being unique, right? If, you know, your strategy, if you want to outperform your competitors, which we all do, right? I mean, nobody gets in business to be last, <laughs> I hope, right. right? If that was your goal, you're probably in the wrong place. But- innovating to outperform, outpace, or bring something new to the marketplace, maybe in the same product line, but that stands out from the competition to push you ahead of the pack. Right. Well, particularly in a business like airline business, which is much more of a commodity kind of business that's been around for a while and you're competing on brand. Everybody has to fly an airplane from point A to point B, and it's been that way for years, right? So to really... There's a lot of fixed costs in the airline business, right? Cost of the airplanes, fuel, everything else. Mm-hmm. Where you're really competing is on your service levels, and that's where you want to do a lot of your innovation. But you want innovation to occur with your airplanes and your technology, but in some respects, you're really dependent upon the manufacturers to bring that to the table, not right. you as an airline. Most of your focused innovation-wise is in and where you can just – Disrupt that market is on the mm-hmm. service level you're providing, not on the 
technical basics of getting an airplane from point A to point B. Which is another great point outside of innovation is improving customer service. I mean, going, you can go on any company's website, right? And Mm -hmm. read their reviews. And, you know, one of the biggest complaints isn't necessarily always about the product. I've mentioned this in other episodes, but it's, you know, you know, yeah, there was a fault with the, with the product, but if the company made it right, went back and provided amazing customer service, that's what people want. They want to be heard. They want to be seen Mm -hmm. and they want their problem to be fixed. And if there's not the service to provide that or provide that on the front end where there's not a problem, not a very good business strategy. I mean, you look at an organization, for example, that is known for their customer service, Mm Chick-fil-A, right? They're closed on Sundays, and yet they outperform most of their competitors in revenue. Yeah, because of their customer service. Right. And the use of technology in providing that service, right? So there's another commodity business, the restaurant business, the fast food restaurant business. There's tons of competitors out there, but where they're succeeding is being innovative on the customer service side for that brand management and making a great experience for the customer that they want to come back. Right. And it's always fun for me to see an industry leader like a Chick-fil-A, if you will, in that area, start to innovate and start to push their customer service even farther, even though they were already number one in that area in many people's eyes. Mm -hmm. Right. And then see other companies try to, you know, try to keep up and start to adopt the same technology. It's just fun. It's like they're trying to jump on the bandwagon, but they can't do it necessarily as well because they didn't do it first. <laughs> well, I think so, in any industry, you have leaders and you have followers. Right. And and both of them are, or can be appropriate strategies. If you're going to be the innovator, you're going to be spending more money in R&D. And you have to be happy with that, knowing right. that others are going to catch up to you. Right. So and, your strategy long-term is always being out at the forefront. Mm-hmm. And just having that constantly as part of your strategy. And this is just kind of a side asterisk for those of you who are wanting to innovate and be different. I mean, a lot of times those kind of companies are seen as heretics, right? They're seen as, especially in longstanding industries where the status quo has been the status quo, Mm -hmm. right? When there's an innovator that pops their head up, everybody, whoa, 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 what are you doing? (laughs) Right? And Don't rock the boat. Right. You're rocking a boat. Why are you rocking the boat? And then they realize, well, rocking the boat was the right thing to do. And then the rest of the industry follows mm-hmm. after said boat rocker, said heretic, said innovator has started to outperform, outpace the rest. Right. Right. So, you know, be a disruptor. I mean, that's, that's another business strategy. You see a stagnant industry and you're in a stagnant industry. How can you be a disruptor? How can you be an innovator? I think that's a great piece to business. Right. Strategy. And we'll get in get into that when we start talking about SWAT some more. But right. as a disruptor, a disruptor can be within your own industry with a known competitor, or a disruptor can be somebody that's never been in your industry that's bringing a piece of technology or know how or something to your industry that you never thought of. You want to talk about a heretic? Well, what are you doing over there? You don't, no, you're not in our ball game. Right. Why are you here? Well, stay in your lane. That's the famous phrase. Stay right. in your lane. Right. Mr. IBM, stay in your lane. Don't get in the air traffic control. Stay in your lane. Right. So, hear that all too often. So, um, another piece. I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with innovation, but developing new products. Right. Right. 
Um, or services. Introducing new product services to the marketplace, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's that's the probably the most known and most common way of growing your business, right? It's new. It's shiny. <laughs> well, we it's talk flashy, about we, right? we we've talked about last episode about vertical growth and horizontal growth. Mm-hmm. If you want to do horizontal growth, then you have to bring in new products and services. Now, those new products and services might be directly related to what you have been selling. In that in that case, they're very close to that. Or if you have a diversification strategy, now you're bringing in things that fit a category um, of products and services that maybe have some common elements to what you did before, but they're distinctly or unique, uniquely different that you're move you're starting to move away and diversify your product and service set in order to smooth out business cycles or or get out of a commodity business. You're in a commodity one, but you can use something about your commodity service in another industry where you would not be a commodity mm-hmm. and can compete in a, at a different level and get some diversification out of that. There's different ways of doing it. What about acquiring companies or bringing in new skill sets that you want to take advantage of? Those are strategies. Well, I think when it comes to business strategy, once a company gets big enough, of course, acquisitions always and a lot of grower growing companies plans in strategy to control more of the market share with already established outlets. Mm-hmm. So what might be some reasons that you go out and acquire a company? Eliminate competition would be one. Eliminate competition, AKA get more of the market share, right? You knocked a competitor out and you're getting their, their customers. And so in your industry, you've got more market share, right? Which is a pretty popular strategy when in a commodity business, right? Right. We're all pretty much the same. We want more market share. It's difficult through marketing dollars and sales dollars and so forth to get it. So we're going to go knock out some competition to get more market share and therefore more revenues. You may you may acquire them and keep them around in business, but now the revenues are coming to you, right? If you're, right. If you're in a hamburger business and you go out and acquire a chicken business, you're probably going to still keep them around, but you're going to go after economies of scale in the back mm-hmm. office, as well as get the market share of the overall restaurant business or industry. But you're going to keep that brand around. You're not going to close them out. So there's different ways to look at, you know, buying a competitor from that perspective. Another reason you might want to acquire a company is they have a, a piece of technology or they have some uh, processes that may be patented or something of that nature that you can't duplicate yourself and you want right. that to save on your expenses to be more profitable. Right. Would be another reason you go out and acquire a company. So those are all... Thoughts you need to have and be intentional about it when you go after another, <clears throat> excuse me, another company and acquire it. All right. Well, we talked about customer retention. Anything else to add to what we've already talked about there? I don't think so. I mean, in that customer retention, I mean, that depends on whether, I mean, you're in a commodity business or whether you're in a service business. I and mean, if that service is one time long term, I mean, there's different parameters for each business type business structure where customer attention plays a key mm-hmm. right for example i mean retail somebody loves shopping in a store it's you know one transaction here one transaction here 
Whereas in a service business long term, you know, it's it's maintaining that relationship so that they don't go elsewhere. Right. Right. For example, in in your coaching business, right, you're going to make sure you provide the best best service, best coaching, generate the most value for your clients so that they, you know, they continue to grow with you, right? Right. Oh, well, ultimately, I'm not afraid of them going away because that means I've done a great job of well, teaching them how to fish. The job but, of a leader is to develop other leaders, right? Right. Right. But as long as there's still a need, I want to retain them as a customer as opposed to them going to a different business coach. Right. That they have a great experience working with me. Let's talk about one that's Probably doesn't come to people's minds a whole lot. You know, we a lot of our conversation so far has been about internal processes, mm-hmm. internal technologies, products and services specifically. But let's talk mm-hmm. about the environment, the business environment. If you want long-term su- uh, sustainability of your business, right, you want an environment that you're playing in, the sandbox, so to speak, that you're playing in. Mm-hmm. To be robust and have enough things going on, if you will, to encourage and sustain business, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you talk about regional economics, what other industries are playing in around you that may hire or retain the same kind of people that you want to hire, even though you're not they're not a direct competitor, but they hire engineers or technical folks or some specific skill that you can utilize. You want to go out and do some things in your environment to make sure there's a plentiful supply of those type people, which may be, let's go partner with company A and company B and do some things in the schooling area or in the business arena that's not competitive in nature, but you're you're getting together to make sure that you have a strong environment in your city or cities that retains or educates or trains the right people so that if you have people leave out of retirement or other things that you can readily go out to the labor pool and find good quality people to come on board your team. Right. That's a strategy. Now it's not direct directly related to a product or service, but that may be in your strategic quiver, so to speak, that you're going to go after for a year or two to find other companies or the local governments or whatever to make sure that you have a healthy business environment from an economy, you have a great labor pool to draw from, et cetera. Right. Even true sustainability, I mean, when it comes to sourcing material, things like that, Mm -hmm. I mean, innovating in those areas, we're seeing a lot of that in the marketplace now when there's such an environmental awareness When it comes to business, right? In the world of production, it's gotten cleaner. You've had to get cleaner to meet regulations and things like that. So Mm -hmm. you see a lot of the leading edge companies in the production world getting ahead of the curve, right? Making sure that they're sustainable, that they're environmentally friendly, right? So that's another, as we move in, you know, into the future years, another way to look at things in part that really should be part of a business, businesses strategy again we talked about a business strategy being a living organism right right so that may be one of the shifts we need to make right so you know, we were talking about that the nested doll the russian nested doll right mm-hmm. so some of the strategies we talked about may be a middle doll or a doll in the very middle 
Right. That's only encompassing for a year or two and is part of a longer term, five, 10, 15 year strategy of what you're trying to do in the business. And so just remember that as you think about what we've gone through this list, some are more appropriate in the short term and some are more appropriate on a long term, like when we were Chick-fil-A. Right. Right. Always being innovative and being a leader in that in that industry, that's a long-term strategy, right? Because you're going to have to keep keep doing that to be the leader and leapfrogging the competition in a commodity market. Right. That would be a long-term, whereas maybe a focus on customer service might be a short-term, one or two-year focus because you don't like where where you are in your business or in the marketplace for that. And after a year or two of focusing on it, you get it to where you want it to be and you're ready to take on a different strategy for the next year, two right. or three. So let's move into, I mean, you talk about different types of business strategy, but how about some strategic tools that, that we can use to implement those strategies or plan those strategies out, right? right? The first being something we talked about last week would be a SWOT analysis. Yeah. So like I said, last episode, it's been around the longest. It's Mm -hmm. fairly simple and straightforward. You take a, take a box and cut it into four smaller boxes within the box and up top left corner is strengths, top right corner is weaknesses, bottom left is opportunities, and bottom right is threats. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to go through a brainstorming exercise. And outside that box, you're going to write down your assumptions so that you keep record of that. And you're going to go forward as you're executing on your business, either proving or disproving those assumptions. And in doing so, you reduce risk in your business. But you're going to do some internal work in terms of what are our strengths. got to be honest with it. Mm-hmm. If you're not honest with it, then you're going to get in a world of hurt down the road, right? Same thing for us human beings, as well as our weaknesses. And weaknesses aren't necessarily a bad thing. There are some weaknesses you might have that, sure, we could spend a lot of dollars and try and improve upon this, but we're not going to get a lot out of it in the overall business. So it's okay to, to know that those are weaknesses and just be cognizant of it and make sure it doesn't impede big on your business. But you don't necessarily have to do a lot of work or even any work to to really fix it because it's just not a, a major issue in your business. And that's fine. Opportunities and threats. So opportunities are going to play a lot into what we just went through in the previous list about different strategies, right? We're where are your competitors? What's going on with the industry? Where do we have opportunities to grow our business? Um, and those opportunities are going to, that box is going to play a lot into what you do with your strategy development and your planning. Right. But once again, I'll go back to that phrase. There are things you know, there are things you don't, you know you don't know, and then there are things you don't know that you don't know. And so the first two bullets are going to play big into your opportunities because they're known. But there may be things out there flying around in the wind, so to speak, that are great opportunities for you that you haven't thought about. Right. Threats can be within your industry or outside your industry. They can be regulatory in nature. They can be technology in nature. They can be HR related. We were just talking about that labor pool. That may be a threat to your business because you... As you grow, you can't find the right people or enough of the right people to sustain the growth that that you want. So they come in all all kinds of shapes and sizes, and you have to be 
cognizant of that as you're going through your internal thinking about what what are our threats? Mm-hmm. What what are some core competencies that would be well fitted to fit in your industry that might come in from outside of your industry? Like I use that example about IBM and air traffic right. control, right? As as air traffic control has become more data focused and centered, those that play the Amazons and IBMs and others that play in the, the web server business, the cloud, as they say, could come in and be a major threat into that that market, you know, particularly right. on the equipment side that people wouldn't necessarily think about. They think about more of the Beltway Bandits, Lockheed Martins, and so forth of the world that play in that realm in terms of equipment could all of a sudden find themselves a, a data-driven company coming in and being a major player in that in that line of work. Or a great partner, if you're cognizant of right. it, cut it off at the knees by saying, yeah, I acknowledge that, and I'm going to go out and partner with these guys mm-hmm. and at least um, have a play in this game instead of them taking over my if business. you can't beat them, join them, right? Exactly. <laughs> So, I mean, other threats to be cognizant of as well would be, depending on your industry, of course, legislative, right? Right. Very big. Again, it goes into the knowns and unknowns. I mean, future unknowns would be legislation. We don't know 10 years in the future what may be passed that would that would choke us a little bit or cause some difficulties in what our current business strategy looks like, what current processes look like. Right. right. So industries like the your industry, the medical industry, oil and gas, mm-hmm. what might be some others, pharma, mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals, and anything food that's food production and right. agricultural side. Absolutely. All those are things that you need to be thinking about and keep your ear to the ground of what's going on in D.C. and so forth that may have an impact and change the way that right. you do business. And what are you going to do about it? And to go back to a sports analogy, much like a great running back, I mean, stay light on your feet and be able to shift direction. I mean, we just saw that. I, I came from the restaurant industry and, you know, I, I say I got out at a good time. I mean, we saw what just happened with COVID in the restaurant industry. Legislation was, I mean, it took down a lot of family-owned restaurants, small restaurants. Yes. And, I mean, there wasn't any really way to shift direction there, I would say. But no, a lot of it's out of their control. Yeah, that was a huge unknown. I, didn't, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody saw shutting down the entire world ever happening. So, But where, where you do have things in control, and I've used this example before in a previous episode about the pizza shop in New York City that pivoted. They didn't make pizzas anymore, but they used their assets to get into the PPE business. Right. And help make face shields by being able to make parts and so forth in their ovens mm-hmm. uh, that could be used in PPE. So, yes, the pandemic part and shutting down their food business was out of their control, but they did a good job of pivoting and looking for other ways to stay in business in a different industry till such time that pandemic goes away and they go back to making pizzas. All right. So that's SWAT. Next on the list is Michael Porter's value chain. For those that don't know, Michael Porter is a highly respected Harvard professor in the area of strategy. He's sort of the gold standard, if you will, has done a lot of innovation and thought leadership in the area of business strategy. I suggest if you got free time, go look at his career and what he's done for business strategy and so forth. But let's talk about what is a value chain. So value chain is looking at a product or service from what I, what I call soup to nuts. So from the very beginning, when you think of a product or service, you're just, it's just an idea. 
and you think about all all the pieces that have to come into place before you actually have that product and service that's in use. It's available on the market and sold and the end customer is using it. All those pieces that have to be contributed to that process is called the value chain. Right? So take the Boeing example of making an airplane. Very first piece of it is talking with a customer and a customer says, I need an airplane with a range of X miles that gives me this kind of fuel efficiency that can carry 150 passengers, can do it safely and efficiently, et cetera, et cetera. And, and Boeing walks away with eventually is a list of requirements for a particular size and type of airplane. Then you think about all the planning stages and engineering stages to make that reality and then all the production pieces and all the parts you need that you have to go out to the subcontractor business to get those parts made to your specifications that then get assembled into the airplane. Then an airplane has to be flight tested and certified by an organization like the FAA. And then you have to have a sales process that sells it, it gets it to the customer, you have to train the pilots, et cetera, et cetera. So each one of those items is a sliver moving from left to right. And all those combination of slivers is your value chain. And you get to decide where in that value chain you want to compete. Is it one sliver? Is it three slivers? Is it five slivers? Where Where is it do you think you can use your talents and skills and technologies and processes and everything else to compete in some part of that value chain? And you may have some pieces of the value chain that, that happen in every single one of those slivers. You might have a a rectangle that runs left to right instead of up and down because you are playing with your product or service or technology in each one of those slivers. You may have that possibility in your in your business or industry. And it's just another tool to, to help you be intentional in building a business strategy and looking at your whole industry from soup to nuts. And where do you want to play and where are your competitors? Right, So if you're playing in the early part of the value chain, somebody who's playing in the latter part may not be a competitor to you, even though you're, they're contributing to that value chain. Like better yet, they may be a partner. Well, they might be a partner. If you want to capture more of the value chain right. as part of your business strategy, they might bring them in as a partner. And therefore, whether it's a merger or an acquisition or a joint venture or whatever form it takes, you might be capturing more of the revenue that's being generated in this entire value chain. Like I said, just another tool that, that allows you to look at your business and industry. And then you might go find other industry. If you, you have a particular sliver, you go, where does this sliver could possibly exist in another value chain that's out there right. in a different industry or business? And maybe that's a way to diversify or grow your business. Um, so it's a great tool to use. I mean, that can really go back to that moving, growing, ever-changing business strategy, right? You discover other pieces of value chains that are transferable. Mm -hmm. if, if you're really good and you're set in that, in that link of the chain, how can you grow your business if you want to generate more value, more revenue, what other product services in the same piece of the value chain can you go duplicate? Right. So, and it helps you thinking through about your, your vertical, are you going to grow vertically? Or you're going to grow horizontally. Right. 
if you want to go capture more of the value chain, then you're looking to go capture or, or play more of those slivers in the value mm-hmm. chain process. If you got a vertical, you're pretty much staying in your sliver. You're just expanding the sliver, mm-hmm. so to speak, is, is a way to look at vertical and horizontal growth. All right, third one on the list is what's called the strategy canvas, or some people call it the blue ocean strategy. So which one of our episodes would play into this, do you think, that we've done before? It's probably in the top five of our episodes. It's the scarcity versus abundance, right? So when you're talking about a blue ocean strategy, you're you're expanding your mind and, and looking at more things and more possibilities in terms of a strategy. Basically, you're not limiting yourself. Imagine being on a boat and you look out, you're 10 miles out at sea, Mm -hmm. right? And you're looking out at the horizon. There's a total expanse you're looking over, right? Thinking more out of the box. Exactly. So, and it's a big piece to figuring out business strategy is thinking outside the box, not just inside the box that the status quo says you have to be in. Right, so this, so the strategy canvas is a, a set of tools that assists you in, in gaining that kind of thought process in looking at the business canvas and looking beyond a, a value chain and a SWOT and thinking big picture. And this is a tool that you're, you're going to use if you're trying to develop a long-term strategy, a 5, 10, 15, 20-year strategy right. as opposed to one of those inner Russian dolls where you're just looking at one, one or two two-year type strategies. Okay, number four. We haven't really talked about this a whole lot, but this is a big play in strategy. It's called the business model canvas. Well, I think this is huge because, especially this this really determines industry, right? I mean, you have different business models. You have solopreneurs, right? They provide a service one-on-one, mm-hmm. right? You have franchise models. You have direct sales models. You have multi-level models. You have franchise models. Right. Right. And, you know, you can, I've watched some personal friends that they started off. I'll use the restaurant industry, for example, that they were restaurateurs. They opened their first restaurant. It was a hit and they used the business strategy or business model canvas. I'm sorry. And explored different options, right? They chose to go with the franchise model mm-hmm. and, it just, I mean, it was like a rocket ship and took off for them, right? But they did, you know, I remember talking to them. They did their SWOT analysis. They they went through strengths, weaknesses, and they tied up the loose ends before really delving into a new business model, though. Right, and that's what the right. franchise model brings to you is that right. instant rate name recognition, already established processes, established price points, all those items that allows you to when you start a business to get to where you want to go very quickly because right. you're already in a proven business mm-hmm. that's been successful. And that's why they're trying to franchise it because they they took on all the risk at the beginning mm-hmm. in developing this business model. Now they want to leverage that and bring it to, to the masses to go, we already have the model for you. Here it is. Right. Pay us a, pay us a bunch of money and you can have a license or whatever. To go after this business. Right. And be successful fa- fairly early on to help offset the high cost mm-hmm. that you paid into it to get the license. Right. 
What what other some some other business models? Low cost, high volume, high cost, high value. I mean, you look at, for example, your old industry, mm-hmm. right? Very high cost, very high value because when you get in the airline industry, I mean, you're talking everybody's life that's on that plane is in your hands. That's very high value, right? So that goes into air traffic control. That goes into everything. So companies are willing to spend millions and millions of dollars to make that happen, right? Because there's also high value on their end. Well, you look at the airline business, right? So the key with the airline business is that you can segment your market. Your overall market is fairly large because you're transporting human beings and cargo from point A to point B. Right. But you have the business customer. You have the low cost, the families, young families or whatever that want to get to point A to point B, but they don't have a lot of discretionary income to spend. Mm -hmm. Those two markets, just those two, have very different desires or needs from Mm -hmm. a service level perspective. So how do you take this aluminum tube and with wings on it and, but yet to cater to both of those kind of market segments. And that's right. why you have the different seating options and so forth in an airplane right. is that they want to address all those segments. And where I was really going with that is more of the B2B side, right? Mm-hmm. Where companies are spending very, very high ticket dollars, if you will. And there's, I mean, you probably experience longer sales cycles, Right high value, low volume, mm-hmm. right? In that kind of world. And then like you said, there's low cost, high volume, right? Where you typically have a lower price point, lower revenue. But if you can sell a million of them. I mean, you can make a lot of money. Right, exactly. You have to offset the lower cost by having high volume mm-hmm. to make the dollars that get people right. interested to be in that business. And there's also, I mean, you're looking at in service businesses, is it a per transaction or is it a subscription model? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it gets down to how you charge subscription versus transaction monthly, annually. I mean, there's so many little pieces in the business model analysis, if you will, that go into building that business strategy. Right. But it all boils down to what, what one word. Compete. Right. right. How are we going to compete in the industry? Mm-hmm. All right. Are we going to use the model of low cost, high volume, or the model of high cost, high value? Mm-hmm. Are we going to be somewhere in the middle? Where, where is it we're going to compete for customers that are in that marketplace? Right. And that's the underlying word whenever you're looking at a business model, decide how you want to compete. Right. It all goes back to the playbook. Right, are we gonna, playbook. Absolutely. Are we going to be a West Coast long pass to offense? Or are we going to mm-hmm. run it up the middle, smash mouth SEC style? And that's right. where the SWOT analysis then comes in because right. you're looking at your strengths and your weaknesses and say, "Well, this business model is going to be best for us because of where our strengths are." Mm-hmm. But if we were to move our weaknesses over to a strength, then we might have an opportunity to change our business model somewhat to take advantage of the work we just did to move something over to a strength. Right. And y'all, as Andy said, when we did talk about SWOT analysis a couple uh, points ago, in that, in order for all this to work, you have to be super honest with yourself, mm-hmm. right? This all, this has to be like introspection. I wouldn't, for lack of a better term, almost beat yourself up on the weaknesses point, 
right? Because if we don't identify those and we you go into the wrong business model, it can either be a very long cycle and a lot of hard learning dragging through the mud, or it could be complete collapse of the business system, right? Right. So identifying those strengths and weaknesses before going into value chain and everything, I think this is, you know, in perfect order. So well, let's move on to the next one. Just looking at the time. I have not used this one. I, I wasn't even aware of this before I did my research. It's called Pestel. P-E-S-T-E-L, and each one of those letters represents an item. So P is political, E is economic, S is social, T is technological, E is environmental, and L is legal. Well, and I think we covered this pretty well talking about SWAT in the beginning. I mean, I'd I'd never heard this acronym before. Either have I. But you think about it, right? PESTEL is not what comes to mind, but when going into business, like we said, and especially political, environmental, legal, those kind of threats that can present themselves. Right. Right. So it's a it it's a tool you can use. You've got your SWAT box built out or you're trying to build it and you need a tool to really help you deep dive deep dive into the oh, the opportunities and the threats. You could pull this tool out while you're working within the SWAT to help with those bullet items you're going to put in your opportunities and your threats. So, so it's almost like a sub tool. Right. It, uh, it, from that it's, perspective. It's a box within a box. Box within a box. So, and then the next point or next tool, Andy, which personally not familiar with, but the McKinsey 7S. 7S, right? So helps to identify the strengths and weaknesses within a business. And it's called so, 7S. I don't have them in front of me, but there are seven S's of areas within your business that it helps you to look at help you to assess your strength, your strengths and weaknesses. But once again, back to your point, <laughs> Zach, you got to be honest with yourself. Right. The, the tool's not going to help you with the BS factor that's going on around the table when you're that taking is, these assessments and using this tool. That is not one of the S's. No. no. Well, <laughs> it's, it's BS, not S. But anyway. There's an S in there. There's an S in there. Yeah, it works. Right. <laughs> So that's another tool. The next one comes back to our friend, Michael Porter. He has a tool called the five forces that helps you to identify threats and opportunities within a business environment. So when we were talking about that last possible business strategy Mm -hmm. of going into the environment, looking at labor pools, regulatory, sort of the business environment in terms of the financials Mm -hmm. that are going on in your region or your country you're operating in, this would be a tool to help you to go look at what's going on in play in those arenas that might be a possible input into your strategy development process. Next one's kind of interesting, the BCG matrix, which plots market share against market growth for each product or service. So here's a tool to look at that a product manager might use a lot in looking at their product and trying to understand what's going on with the market for the product, right? So Mm -hmm. market growth is looking at the overall market size for that type product. Mm-hmm. You can think of it as a circle, and is that circle getting smaller? Is it staying the same, or is it getting bigger? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you're at the early phase of a product being out there in the industry, and the circle is going to be kind of small. But because being it's a new category of product or service that's coming out, your expectation is that circle is going to grow and grow and grow. That's part of the analysis. So it's saying, okay, we're going to expect revenue growth just because the whole industry for this product set is growing. Right. 
it's not really an assessment of what your market share is in that, but you know the overall size of the market's going to grow. And then you plot that against market share. And market share is how, how do you divvy up that pie if that circle was a pie? Right. How do you divvy it up amongst those that are competing for business in that overall circle? Right. So if your overall circle, for example, is growing, I don't know, pick a number, 10% every year, but your market share is staying the same, you're going to have a certain percentage of growth just by the nature that the right. big circle is growing. But if you can develop a strategy that goes after both in the sense that, A, we recognize that the overall market is growing, but we're going to do some things in our strategy to get more market share – now you're really talking in terms of revenue growth right. and hopefully profit growth. You have a, if you will, a multiplier in there. So, mm-hmm. but then looking at scenario analysis, I mean, this is exactly as it sounds with your established business strategy. I mean, what scenarios could come in the future, right? What are the what ifs? What are the potential unknowns? Because we, I mean, we can't not acknowledge them. We need to plot out, okay, here's scenario a b c d e and have an action plan if a b c d or e happens right so this is this is looking at your opportunities and threats and your swat analysis and let's say we've got some assumptions that we listed out that shapes what we put in the opportunities and what we put in the threats and we want to look at some certain scenarios let's say we want to go after these two items in our opportunity list and we think this threat is fairly high. Mm -hmm. Okay. And from that, we're going to develop this strategy. All right. So let's do some thinking or we actually have a tool that allows us to get in actual numbers Mm -hmm. to figure out what is the end game then. If we think these two opportunities we're going to go after, it's building our business strategy and we think this threat is going to come into reality. What is the outcome of that? That's the what if. And so you can play around with different combinations between your opportunities and threats mm-hmm. to help you shape your strategy and figure out the one that's going to bring you the best results. And that kind of leads into that next point is our last tool is the risk management cube. Mm-hmm. Right. And kind of going back into the strengths, weaknesses, but helping manage and identify risks and develop a game plan to mitigate said risks. Right. right? So where, I, where I've seen it most commonly used is you have some kind of chart or graph that have two axes. One axis is what is the likelihood that this risk is going to appear, right? So if, you're, if that's the bottom part of your graph over on the left is not very likely. Shout out to our actuaries out there. Right. <laughs> Over on the right-hand side is it's very likely it's going to happen right. in, in the time frame that we're looking at. The left axis or, or the vertical axis is what is the impact mm-hmm. to our strategy and business if that were to occur. So obviously, if you have that, that type of graph at Boeing, we chopped it up into squares. In the bottom left-hand corner is... Not likely to occur, and even if it does, it's not that big of an impact on our business. It's identified, but not real worried about it. 
the upper right hand corner is where the, <laughs> the oh no happens, right? Mm -hmm. Likely to occur and its impact on a business is huge. And you don't want to be on that in that part of the graph. No. You know, but somewhere on that graph, each of the risks that you identify is going to be somewhere in the graph and you have to do a, a good educated guess. Right. Where you think it's going to be. And then that enables you to put some risk mitigation plans and in place. Determining how much effort you put into each risk mitigation plan as well. I mean, if it's in that upper right-hand corner, probably should allocate some time and energy and resources to mitigating that. Yeah, so right? further, the further right it is, the more likely it's going to occur, the more resources, time, money, and everything you want to put into it to make sure it doesn't happen. Right. Particularly if it's fairly high on the impact. If it's fairly low and you know it's going to happen, then you may not do anything. Right. Because the impact is low. But you sort of got to make some assumptions and then just monitor it constantly. Right. It was always in our conversation as we were executing on our business mm -hmm. was, we thought it was this. Does anything happen that we think it's somewhere else on the chart now? Maybe you thought the impact was high, but we did some research and said, no, the impact is a lot lower than we thought. Mm -hmm. And it just needs to be part of your ongoing thoughts if you're a solo entrepreneur or in your discussion with a leadership team or whatever, to just be constantly monitoring it. But I think you're doing yourself a big disservice if you don't make this part of your strategy planning development process and monitoring as you go on because right. – You'll get blindsided by things, and the next thing you know, you're busy, you may be out of business. Right. And a lot of these points, y'all, are, are sub-tools of others, right? I mean, they right. all tie in together. And, you know, in, in previous episodes, we've talked about, you know, some more abstract things, some more conceptual practices, mm -hmm. mindset, everything like that. And that's where it's got to start. Again, it always referenced Simon Sinek. It always starts with why. But our goal in moving in this direction is to give you some practical tools, to use in developing a solid strategy that you can take with you. But of course, reaching out to, to us, to Andy about furthering these is, is really huge as well. Yes. So, yeah, this is a little bit more, if you will, practical in nature than what right. we've done previously, but it's a hugely important part of starting, owning and running a well oiled machine, so to speak, in your business is paying attention to these things. And what I do in my business is to try and get business owners to free up enough time mm -hmm. in their weeks and months to be able to do these exercises right. to work on their business instead of in their business. And right. you need enough, I call it white space in your business to, to be thinking and doing and planning in these kinds of aspects to help take your business to the next level. And that's why it's extremely important. Right. So, y'all, we, we appreciate you, as always, joining us this week. We, we pray that this, this episode brings massive value, as all of our episodes do. As always, our ask, hit that subscribe button. Give us a share. If you know somebody that you know would definitely gain value from hearing this message or any of our former episodes that you've tuned into, send it their way. Say, hey, hit subscribe so they don't miss an episode as well. Of course, our goal is always just to generate compounding value in this world. So, Andy, I think this was great. This is a great move in this direction. Right? Yes. What's well, the next natural step? Exactly. In our episode list. And we 
We invite you to tune in next week. We have a guest coming in, Mr. Chris Lalamia from the Trusted Toolbox. He's His story is absolutely awesome. He's an awesome individual. So corporate to entrepreneurship journey is starting what he calls the the institute as part of his business and recently came out with a book. He's a first time author, which we want to dive into. So we're really looking forward to having Chris on the show next week. And we hope you tune in for, as Zach said, a, a terrific, amazing story for entrepreneurship. So with that being said, we will see you back here same time next week. Same time next week. We hope you have a great day, a great week and keep generating your value in the world. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode of the Generate Your Value podcast. If you find our conversations to be useful in your life, I invite you to subscribe to our podcast so that you don't miss an episode. You can find me online on Instagram at The Fitzpreneur, Facebook, and LinkedIn. For information on my coaching services, if you're in the Atlanta area, go to www.generateyourvalue.com. You can also find me and my company on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply search for Generate Your Value on those platforms. Once again, thanks for joining us for today's podcast, and we invite you to generate your value.